Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder found under the psychiatry section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. An 8-year-old boy is brought to the pediatrician by his mother for behavioral concerns. His mother states that she has always had trouble with him at home. He cannot sit still, he loses things all the time, and he is very disorganized. Sometimes when she reprimands him, it seems like he is not even paying attention. He has also had trouble making friends. Recently, the patient's teacher called because he has not been turning in assignments, he blurts out things without being called on, and he disrupts the students next to him by talking. Let's continue with an introduction to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. As a general overview, remember that this refers to a neurodevelopmental psychiatric disorder characterized by hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention. In terms of the demographics, it demonstrates a 10 to 1 male to female ratio, and onset is before 12 years of age. In terms of the associated conditions, these include learning disabilities, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, tic disorders, and substance abuse. In terms of the presentation, 18 symptoms exist in the DSM-5. Six of these symptoms must be present in children and five in adults for a diagnosis, and the symptoms must occur in at least two different settings, such as the home and school. They must be present before the age of 12, and they must last for six months or longer. Common symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity include excessive fidgetiness, difficulty remaining seated, feelings of restlessness or inappropriate running around, difficulty playing quietly, always seeming on the go, excessive talking, difficulty waiting turns, blurting out answers, and interruption of others. Common symptoms of inattention include making careless mistakes, difficulty maintaining attention, seeming to not listen, failing to follow through, difficulty with organization, avoiding tasks that require consistent mental effort, losing objects, being easily distracted, and forgetfulness in routine activities. In terms of further studies, hearing and vision tests should be performed in order to rule out hearing or visual impairments, and serum labs should include thyroid hormone levels, and these should be considered in patients with other symptoms of thyroid disease. In terms of the diagnosis, A clinical diagnosis can occur by the DSM-5 criteria that were previously stated. One must also rule out other comorbid psychiatric disorders, such as learning disabilities, mood disorders, or substance abuse. In terms of treatment, medical options include cognitive behavioral therapy. This is first line for preschool-aged children or those that are less than six years of age. It is an adjunct therapy for school-aged children, adolescents, and adults. Other options include stimulants. These are first line therapy for school-aged children or those that are six years of age or older. Specific options include methylphenidate and dextroamphetamine. Non-stimulants are second-line therapy for school-aged children. Specific drugs include automoxetine, which is a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor and is preferred in cases of substance abuse. Other drugs include guanfacine, which is an alpha-2 agonist, clonidine, which is also an alpha-2 agonist, bupropion, nortriptyline, and other selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, Remember that about 50% of patients will have symptoms into adulthood. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. Two siblings, a 7-year-old boy and a 9-year-old boy, are brought to the pediatrician by their mother for behavioral concerns. She states that her 7-year-old son has gotten in trouble at school multiple times for disrupting the class by calling out. His teacher reports that he will often run around the room during quiet time and constantly fidgets. 
At home, he cannot complete tasks like simple chores and does not seem to listen when spoken to. Her older, nine-year-old son does well in school but has similar issues at home. The mother states that at home, her nine-year-old son can't sit still unless he is playing video games. He will throw a tantrum if the games are taken away. It is a struggle to get him to do his homework. If the seven-year-old boy is case A and the nine-year-old boy is case B, which of the following choices describes the most appropriate management for each patient? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Case A, methylphenidate. Case B, clonidine. Choice 2. Case A, methylphenidate. Case B, observe. Choice 3. Case A, observe. Case B, dextroamphetamine. Choice 4. Case A, observe. Case B, methylphenidate. Or choice 5. Case A, observe. Case B, observe. The best answer to this question is... Choice 2. Case A, methylphenidate. Case B, observe. The 7-year-old boy, or case A, is presenting with multiple symptoms of inattention, such as seeming to not listen and failing to finish chores, and hyperactivity, such as excessive fidgeting and blurting out, both at home and at school, which is diagnostic for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. He should be treated with methylphenidate. The 9-year-old boy, or case B, is presenting with similar symptoms, but only at home so he does not meet the criteria for ADHD and should be observed. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is a psychiatric disorder characterized by symptoms of impulsivity, inattention, and hyperactivity. The DSM-5 requires that children under the age of 17 need six or more symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity, or six or more symptoms of inattention to be diagnosed with ADHD. These symptoms have to persist for at least six months, be present before the age of 12, impair daily function, and occur in more than one setting, such as a school or at home. Examples of hyperactivity and impulsivity include fidgeting, inability to remain seated, excessive talking, difficulty waiting turns, and blurting out. Examples of inattention include making careless mistakes, seeming not to listen when directly addressed, failure to finish tasks, being disorganized, being easily distracted, and forgetfulness in routine activities. School-aged children who meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD should be started on a stimulant medication such as methylphenidate in combination with behavioral therapy. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Case A, methylphenidate. Case B, clonidine is incorrect because the 9-year-old patient does not meet the criteria for ADHD as he only has symptoms at home. Clonidine is an alpha-2 adrenergic agonist that can be used in the treatment of ADHD in patients who poorly respond to or who are unable to tolerate stimulants. Choice 3. Case A, observe. Case B, dextroamphetamine, is incorrect because the 7-year-old patient meets the criteria for ADHD and should be treated appropriately with the stimulant medication and behavioral therapy. Additionally, the patient in Case B should not be treated as he does not meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Dextroamphetamine is a stimulant medication that can be used in the management of ADHD. Choice 4. Case A, observe. Case B, methylphenidate, is incorrect because the 9-year-old patient only has symptoms at home and does not currently meet the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Therefore, he should not be treated with a stimulant medication like methylphenidate. Choice 5. Case A observe, case B observe is incorrect because the 7-year-old patient meets the criteria for the diagnosis of ADHD. He has over 6 symptoms of hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention in at least 2 settings. He should be started on a stimulant medication and behavioral therapy. Finally, a bullet summary. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder is diagnosed in patients who have six or more symptoms of hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention 
that are present in at least two different settings, and initial management includes a stimulant medication and behavioral therapy. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A six-year-old boy is brought to his pediatrician by his mother for poor academic performance. His mother recently spoke with his teacher, who said that the patient has difficulty remaining seated in class and interrupts his classmates when they are answering a question. The patient is performing below average on his examinations and completes his school assignments late. At home, the patient does not remain still when eating his breakfast and also interrupts his siblings when they are speaking with the mother. The mother believes these symptoms have been present for the last 10 months and denies any recent stressors at home. Physical exam is notable for a hyperactive child who has poor attention. Which of the following statements is most accurate about this patient's prognosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Early and effective treatment has no effect on his ability to perform well in school or maintain a job. Choice 2. Many patients can have persistent symptoms into adolescence and adulthood. Choice 3. Most patients have complete resolution of these symptoms by adolescence. Choice 4. The patient is at low risk for engaging in substance use during adulthood. Choice 5. The patient's symptoms will likely improve when he feels more comfortable in school. The best answer to this question is Choice 2. Many patients can have persistent symptoms into adolescence and adulthood. This patient's hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattentiveness in multiple settings such as the school and home that is persisting for at least six months are consistent with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Many patients continue having these symptoms into adolescence and adulthood, but medications may be helpful. ADHD is a chronic psychiatric disorder that manifests in childhood and presents with hyperactivity, impulsivity, and or poor attention. These symptoms can affect academic performance and social functioning. Patients who are diagnosed with ADHD can have persistent behavioral symptoms in adolescence and adulthood. Patients are at increased risk for intentional and unintentional self-injury, substance use, being involved in motor vehicle crashes, impaired academic functioning, unemployment, or having lower status jobs, and developing antisocial personality disorder in adulthood. Early and effective treatment with cognitive behavioral therapy and or stimulant therapy such as methylphenidate can improve these outcomes. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Early and effective treatment has no effect on his ability to perform well in school or maintain a job is incorrect. Treating the patient's ADHD can improve his likelihood of doing well in school or maintaining a job. Choice 3. Most patients have complete resolution of these symptoms by adolescence is incorrect. Studies suggest that one-third to two-thirds of patients diagnosed with ADHD have persistent symptoms into adulthood. Choice 4. The patient is at low risk for engaging in substance use during adulthood is incorrect. Patients with ADHD are at higher risk of substance abuse. Choice 5. The patient's symptoms will likely improve when he feels more comfortable in school is incorrect. ADHD is a chronic psychiatric disorder that can persist even if the patient feels comfortable in school. Finally, a bullet summary. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a chronic psychiatric disorder that can persist into adolescence and adulthood, and early and effective treatment can improve outcomes. That's all for this review about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating 
and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.